Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reason Sports Network. I'm Ethan Skolnick. Make sure you go to fivereasonsports.com for all your latest Miami Heat, Miami Dolphins, Miami Hurricanes, Florida Panthers, Miami Marlins, and soccer news. Also, check out the other podcasts in our network. Three Yards Per Carry is actually recording as we speak. Balls cast. Of course, light-skinned opinions. You'll hear more about that during this episode. Five Rings Canes had a new episode yesterday leading up to the Canes game against FSU, Cinco de Zonas, and Fantasy on Five. Before we get to today's episode, though, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is BetDSI. I should have gone to BetDSI tonight because the Heat were only, I think, given five points tonight. They ended up covering pretty comfortably, but you can bet on just about anything, and you can do it live also. So if you're not right at the beginning of the game, bet at halftime. Go to BetDSI.com. Use the promo code 5101. That's 5 101 and like i said you can bet on virtually anything if you didn't get in the futures on the heat you can certainly bet game to game we've got dolphins jets which nobody wants to see on sunday and heat rockets which i think everybody at this stage wants to see and now on to today's episode welcome to five on the floor a miami heat and nba podcast from ethan skolnick with alvon sydney aka alf954 Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here on Five on the Floor. No Alphonse Sydney today. He's wasted in New Orleans. No Alex Toledo. Same deal. So we've got the next best thing. We're bringing on the usual co-host for Alphonse Sydney on our light-skinned opinions. Christopher Maddox joins us today. Chris, thanks for doing it. My pleasure, man. Glad to be here. So we both just watched this win. The Heat sweep back to back against the Atlanta Hawks. A little bit easier tonight with no Trey Young from the very beginning. We're going to go through five points, though, as the Heat advance two, four, and one. Let's just start with Kendrick Nunn. We, we had a conversation with Kendrick Absolutely. Nunn. Yeah, at, at Media Day. 28 points tonight, Chris, and more points by an undrafted free agent in his first five games than anybody in history. The most points in the first five games of a career since Kevin Durant. He was undrafted. Yes. They signed him on the last day of the season. I know there's a lot of talk about him and off-the-court stuff and everything else. We can touch on that at some point here. But just on the court, what are we watching? He has grown man game. What, what has been so impressive about this little run he's having is that he's doing all of it within the flow of the offense. And when he does decide to go for his own, it doesn't look out of place. It doesn't look forced. And somehow at the end of the night, without looking like he's really being super aggressive, he's got 28 points. He takes perfect advantage of his opportunities. His pull-up game is nice. He attacks, he gets to the free throw line. But all of it looks like it's supposed to be happening. You know, it, it looks so yeah. natural. It does. It's the calmness that Eric Spolstra's talked about, right? Like yeah. nothing, nothing is forced. The hesitation dribble. It's like he gets other guys to move faster than him, which, it, I mean, for a rookie yeah. – is kind of a ridiculous skill for him to have at this stage. And then the three-point shooting. You know, I noticed this when I was out at Summer League in Las Vegas. 
he doesn't need much space. Like there are some guys who to, to pull up, they'll feel like they need to create a certain amount of space. Like even Tyler Harrow does yeah. that to a certain degree. Kendrick Nunn needs no space. Like it's just, if, if he's going to launch, he's going to launch, but his feet are set and he's in rhythm. Like I don't, the only yeah. issue tonight was some turnovers late. But other than that, like when I talked to him before the game the other night, Chris, I said, okay, you're on the scouting report now. Now this was before the first Atlanta game. Have you noticed mm-hmm. anything different? And he says, I really not yet. And I, and I said to him, I kind of led the, you know, the, the subject here a little bit. I said, well, it just doesn't seem like you have a clear weakness. Like there are a lot of players that have really <laughs> yeah. strong strengths, but they have some kind of hole. I don't know that Kendrick Nunn does everything perfectly, but he doesn't do anything poorly. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what he, they would take away. When I kind of mentioned that to him, he nodded and smiled. I, I mean, we saw Jeremy Lin have a month, right? We've seen a lot of guys in the NBA yeah. have a month. I don't have a moment. What's going to stop this? Well, I, I don't think it's a moment because, especially in tonight's game, I thought it was pretty, pretty evident. Jimmy is facilitating his game so well. I think the NBA is still a little shook about Kendrick Nunn, primarily when he's on the court with Jimmy Butler. Your mind, your defensive scheme, everything is on. We got to make sure we're stopping Jimmy. And Jimmy has been great at facilitating he's he's getting the ball where it needs to be and tonight he did that very well and I think that says something about who Jimmy Butler is too because he's not out also dominating the ball either and that you know the two of them playing together is going to make it very hard for other teams to to do anything about it because you're either going to give some space to Jimmy or you got to let it keep playing the way it's been, where the ball is moving and Kendrick Nunn is catching on the weak side and attacking, or he's getting shots up off the dribble. Um, right now, the combination of players, I think, is going to help his moment sustain. Like, who was on the court with Jeremy Lin when Jeremy Lin was going crazy? Like, who was there to help, you know, uh, right. lengthen it or extend the run? You know, here there are players who can – this this can go for a while. The ball doesn't – he doesn't have to dominate. It doesn't have to be in his hands for him to score, and that's going to help him. Well, I didn't think he played that well the other night. Like, I actually thought that was the poorest game I've seen him play going all the way back to summer league, and mm-hmm. he ended up with 17. I, I, so, yeah. it, so <laughs> you, you know, like, I mean, other guys have bad games. Like, again, when Jeremy Lin had a bad game here in Miami, when Chalmers and Norris Cole basically ended Linsanity, that was a bad game. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he couldn't – he couldn't dribble. I mean, I mean, they, yeah. they, were, they were on him from because, and they wanted to be because they they were tired of hearing about it. But they were on him from the moment he came out of the tunnel. I just, again, I don't see what you take away from him necessarily, and I, that gets kind of our point too today. You mentioned Jimmy Butler, and people I think around the NBA are going to look at this stat line and not understand it. Like, like you know, not I, at all, right? Like, like, and, and I, you and had I know, to watch the game to you had to watch it to really see it. Um, I don't even think like I know his plus minus was crazy. I heard during the game something like plus 20 when he was on the court. But that was one of the rare times where you could really see a plus minus influence. And it wasn't because of the points. Like you could see that he was having an impact on the game just by being on the court and moving the ball. It was great to watch. Yeah, it was. And I think like that's why I think people around the NBA are going to look at this and be like, okay, we thought Jimmy Butler had to go score in Miami for them to be successful. And we've seen the first three games, he wasn't on the floor at all. And the last two games, okay, he had a 12-point first quarter and then really took its back seat the rest of the game. And then today, from an offensive standpoint, as far as looking at the basket, I didn't even know he was on the floor in that regard. It was everything else. And 
you know, Eric Spolster's talked about this. He's a basketball player. I think, you know, they have viewed him from the very beginning as kind of being LeBron light. Like they, they view him mm. as somebody that they could run offense through, but that he's not necessarily yeah. going to have to take over all the time. But I think the difference is whenever LeBron did that, there would be this instant criticism, Chris, like, okay. Cause you know, LeBron mm. needs to be more aggressive. I, I don't think with, yeah. Jimmy, with the rookies, I think, for Jimmy, the people are looking at this as unselfishness. They're like, okay, he's letting his rookies flourish. He's proving he's a good teammate after all those other questions. I mean, Jimmy as a teammate is one of the most talked about things in the sport. I mean, he, he's minding his own business yeah. in Miami and he gets thrown in the middle of the MB town thing, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like, like he's, he's living his best life and all of And he said yeah. today, and that, you know, and that gives the impression like Jimmy was up there egging people on to fight and all of a sudden now they're like, look, we're finally doing it. Oh, exactly. <laughs> down here just and he's down here just being a, a fantastic mentor superstar. Yeah, he doesn't have to force anything with this group. I, 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 and and no. look, there will be times that he's going to have to turn it on in the fourth quarter. But for right now, there's just no need to do it. And when, you, when you've got two rookies that are giving you, you know, between 42 and 50 points, or you've got Goran Dragic coming off the bench and doing what he's doing, I mean, no justice Winslow tonight. And I know again, no. he fan, justice is such a lightning rod that people say, oh, they didn't need him. There are games they're going to need Justice Winslow from a plus minus mm-hmm. standpoint, defensive standpoint, from a ball handling and playmaking standpoint. But when Jimmy is doing a lot of that stuff, it's not as necessary. And I think we've seen this now, Chris, twice. No Jimmy Butler in the first game of the season, so Justice Winslow did all of it. Tonight, no well, Justice Winslow, so Jimmy Butler does all of it. And I, I just think there's a, there's a real comfort level with it. And the idea that Jimmy Butler would step aside, not just for a rookie who was drafted 13th overall, but for an undrafted free agent who signed in the last exactly, it's a, uh, again, that, that, I mean, of Miami right now, and I'm noticing this with national guys that I sit next to at games. Guys like Bobby Marks and Mark Stein, Howard Beck have been mm-hmm. down there. Like they don't know what they're watching because they haven't been following this like us since the preseason. But everybody comes away impressed, and I, I think it starts with Jimmy. But it's not all about Jimmy. No, not at all. I I wanted to say while you were saying that that. When I was watching Jimmy Butler play tonight, it looked like Justice Winslow <laughs> prime. It looked like if if when Justice is at his best in terms of game impact, not his best scoring, not his best shooting, but in terms of just being like his best basketball playing self, it would look like how Jimmy looked tonight, I feel like. that That ability to get the bucket when I need to, but to also just be a great cog in the wheel on the court. And that to me has been super impressive. Just the way everybody, all of the pieces seem to fit. And for a while, as you know, he fans, we've been looking at teams where sometimes the pieces fit a little bit, but there was one out of place. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, we could put a little grease on the wheel for a couple of weeks and things will look smooth, but then eventually it grinds down. This group looks very fluid. They do, and, and we're going to get to that a little later with the ball, with, uh, the ball movement, which I haven't seen ball movement mm-hmm. like that since 2012, 2013, which, I mean, they had three Hall yeah. of Flamers on the floor. Uh, well, four Hall of Flamers on the floor, actually, in the, in the fourth uh, in, in that season after Ray Allen came on. But, you know, one other thing, you know, with Jimmy is that I, I think this is really going to preserve him. We, we talk about the yeah. minutes that he played under Tom Thibodeau and I, I think sometimes that's overstated because if you actually look at Jimmy's total minutes for his career at this stage, they're not as big as other, some other guys because he didn't play as much the first couple seasons. But the mm-hmm. fact that he's going to be able to go into cruise control in some games 
and kind of just do what's necessary instead of having to expend all of that energy, which a lot of people thought he would have to because they're like, well, he's not in Philadelphia with yeah. Simmons, right? He's not, he's not in Minnesota with Towns and Wiggins. Like he's going to be playing with a bunch of unproven guys. But so far, we haven't seen, we've seen him been able to sort of get into the flow. He hasn't had to play crazy, crazy minutes. I think they can mm-hmm. keep his minutes into sort of the low to mid 30s instead of the high 30s. And that will keep him fresh later in the season. And with all of this depth, we haven't even really seen, we haven't seen James Johnson except on the bench tonight. And, and we'll see what happens with Dion. With all of this depth, I yeah. just don't think it's going to be as, as necessary for him. All right, let's get to number three here. And that is the ball movement. And there were some instances yeah. in the fourth quarter, Chris, where, and there, I mean, there, there, was, there were some clips from the Atlanta game the other night where all five guys are touching it within mm-hmm. seven or eight or nine or 10 seconds. It looks like this team has played together forever. And forever. I, I, right? And, and I loved how the pieces fit, and I've been pounding the table on a three-seed on this team for a couple months, but I didn't think it would look like this this quickly. I mean, like you said, last year, and I know that it was basically just the Dwayne Wade celebratory season, but last year, like, they were in game 80 and didn't know who was where they were going <laughs> in certain stretches of the game. Exactly. I don't think Eric yeah. knew. Uh, what do you see that – I mean, are they, are they running anything different? Or is, is this just that, you know, again, puzzle pieces fit? One of the things that I've always, as a Heat fan, that I've always called for, and I think, you know, sometimes – I don't know if it's Spalestra or whatever, but sometimes I just want to see us run plays. And so what I think we see a lot of – like there's a lot of great basketball IQ and skill on the floor. Bam is a great passer. Myers Leonard, great passer, understands the game. So that, that's automatically going to help the flow of it all. But a lot of times you're seeing deliberate – not deliberate, that has like a bad connotation, but you're seeing like plays being run. Like things are happening to where, you know, Silva is cutting right down the middle of the paint, perfect pass, layup. Like that's like as a, if you were a high school coach, you know, you would go crazy with excitement and joy to see that happen. And they're running it, and we're seeing more of those plays a game. Think if you get, like, five or six layups off good, crisp passing a game, that's 10 to 12 points where we win tonight by, like, 12 points a game. Like, you win games off that. And so it's good to see. And then, of course, everyone is unselfish. I mean, sometimes I'm nervous with the overpassing. I feel mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, you know. But they've been, it's been perfect. Well, so Chris, there was, there was a clip, the, 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 clip, the clip that was circulating off the Hawks game the other night, there was an overpass in it. All, all five guys touched it. Yeah. Jimmy basically had the ball under the basket, and I, maybe part of it was camera angle, but it looked like Jimmy could have just laid it up and instead sent it to the corner to Hero, who sent mm-hmm. it back out to none. And the best part of that clip, was that Hero was all the way back down the court, not even looking yeah. at the basket or Kendrick <laughs> because he knew it was in. Yeah. Um, and, and we saw a couple of those you know, sequences tonight and the cuts tonight. And, and some of it, I think, is set plays, but some of this is, I hate, is Warriors-esque. And I'm not talking about the Warriors. Yeah. Season, where the Warriors, it was just all read and react. Like, I, I, I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, there's a set play, but essentially a, they don't care who brings it up. That's a better one. The other night. And then Tyler mm. Hero, Kendrick Nunn just have this, this feel for the game. I also think it helps. Nunn and, and, and Hero played seven games together in Summer League in the backcourt. Yeah. And I, I think we're seeing that also. They're, they're very used to playing together. Very used to. But I think that's a better 
what I what I mean to say instead of like uh, running plays, that's what I like to it, that's I hate the connotation of it, but you called it like the read and react is an offense, like you're you're seeing an offense play out, you know. And it's funny you mentioned the words. I was watching the game with my brother. My brother said the same thing. He was like, you know, I don't want to sound crazy, but this looks like the Warriors. You know, nobody wants to speak that kind of blasphemy in basketball, you know. But they do. They they the way the understanding of when to cut, when to screen, um, how to play off of each other. It's it's very good to watch, and you have a lot of players who are willing to play like that. When I coach youth sports. You know, you see all the different teams. You could come across a team with a bunch of crappy kids on it. But mm-hmm. if they ran that read and react <laughs> offense and they understood it, they're going to give you trouble. It's hard to guard backdoor cuts. It's hard to, you know, to when a guy is posting up that dribble handoff and he rolls off the screen. All of that stuff is forcing the defense to have to think consistently. And I think when you saw the, the Hawks tonight, there were several times where the Hawks – multiple players on the court on defense were like, okay, I'm not thinking through this entire possession. Mm -hmm. I made it through like three movements and then I'm done. And then we get two more passes and you get a layup because somebody's wide open. Well, Chris, how much of the fact that, because it's interesting you mentioned that because I think it's mentally exhausting as well as sort of physically exhausting to defend that. And now we've seen consistently that the Heat have dominated the last stretch of fourth quarters with the exception, uh, you know, obviously of that Minnesota game where Wiggins just got off. But we, we've seen yeah. the last two Atlanta games. We saw it in the opener against Memphis. People forget they were down one going into the fourth and blew that thing open in the fourth. And I feel like some of that is just, it, it, again, it's exhausting. It's a team coming at you with a ton of depth and ball movement. And at a certain mm-hmm. point, the players on the floor, particularly if they played 30 to 35 minutes, you just don't want to do it anymore. Like, are you just not mentally no. into it anymore? And, and I, <laughs> I'm just, that's the part I'm stunned about. And that's the other reason why. I just don't see Deion Waiters ever getting on the floor here because he's he's, don't. he's antithetical to this whole idea of ball movement. And Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. And so when people talk about why Dion's gone, look, I think part of it obviously was the conditioning, but he was in better condition. I think yeah. part of it is the silliness on the bench and the silliness on Instagram. But I think a lot of it is they just made a conscious decision. We have, a, we have guys no, who want to play who aren't going to yeah, get in the way. No we don't really need Dion Waiters. And I, I, it almost feels to me now, Chris, like they were looking for excuses uh, to, to sort of yeah. shelve him. Because I, I don't know where, he, where his, even his skill set, which I appreciate on its own merits, would even fit with this group. It doesn't fit. And, and that's the – I was thinking the same thing watching the game. It's, it's going to be impossible. And it's one of those terrible things. And, like, if you're a sports purist, you know, people. some people feel like you should never lose your, 
never lose your spot to injury or never lose your spot to, you know, sometimes things you can't control. And Dion came back healthy, but he's been injured. And in the time that he's been away, the team has gotten used to figuring out ways to function without him. And what we have now is the, a group of players that was put together without him in mind, quite on, like you can tell that this group was put together and they didn't even think about Dion fitting in with this group because he doesn't play that way. He's, he's the, he's a ball stopper mm-hmm. right now. He's kind of looking like, he's kind of looking like Carmelo in a, like a lower tier Carmelo type situation. Like where do you put him in with this unit and, and what does he do out there? And that's, that's a sad thing because, you know, you hate to see it. <laughs> and a guy works his tail off. He, you say I'm not in shape. He tries to come back in better shape, but then sometimes the window passes you. And I think it's past Dion. And then who, no, I don't think the fans would react well. Mm-hmm. Who are you putting on the bench? Who are you going to sit down? Right. Who right. whose minutes are you going to cut? When I, I kind of thought it was going to be Tyler. I thought okay, they're going to get him some starts early in the season. You know. When he was starting, it was kind of a surprise. I'm like, okay, Dion will come back from suspension, and then, you know, he'll go back to his back seat. But I don't see that happening because Tyler Hero is a shooter. Right. He's got the confidence of, you know, Doc Holliday as a trigger man. He's going to let that thing go. And, I mean, the fans love it. He's young. Everybody likes it. It's just a terrible, like, <laughs> confluence of events for Dion. Well, it would, it would be a terrible message, Chris, if honestly, at this point, right? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, if you're going to take Tyler Hero off the floor after what he's shown, I, I just don't think it's possible. And, and with the Kendrick Nunn, I the know. same thing. I mean, they're just, I mean, you're not pulling Goran Dragic off the floor. Winslow's going to play and you've got Jimmy. I mean, you've got your five perimeters in, in the fourth game of the season, they all played exactly 30 minutes. You know, they, there's just, there's just no, <laughs> there's just no space for Dion, uh, except mm-hmm. obviously being traded. I think James Johnson, there is some room for to guard certain fours Definitely. and maybe even some small ball fives, but I just don't, I just don't see it with Dion waiters. Last two parts of our episode in a second, but first I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the five reasons sports network. And that's the Seltzer Mayberg law firm. Go to one calllegal.com that's spelled out. O-N-E, calllegal.com. They've got some of their 24 hours a day. We actually share an office with them in North Miami. Great people at the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm, and they handle everything. They handle car accidents, slip and falls, personal injury, and also traffic tickets. So one, calllegal.com, the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. All right, let's get to part four here. Ethan Skolnick with Chris Maddox. First, Chris, before we go forward, I need a word of the day because – on LSO, you do a word of the day, and I, I feel like our audience has been deprived of that. Well, what's the word of the day for the Heat? Oh, man, a word, the word of the day. How about uh, unison? Uh, like tonight we saw a lot of Can players. Can you say that sentence? <laughs> <laughs> tonight the offense and the players moved in unison. There we that's go. Cool. A little boo-boo that's SAT cool. word for you, like level one. Level one, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. I don't even know that's level one. It's like level point five. But we appreciate it. You get, you'll get. You'll, <laughs> I, you don't, you know what? You must think that Alf is the intellectual, not me, because you you use uh better you use better material than that on light skin opinions. So check out the light skin opinions. Oh, well, I wasn't prepared. I had to pull that one off the top of the head real quick. You know, uh, but I, I, I know. Well, 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 you're a teacher too, so I know everything's got to be a lesson plan. I get it. I get it. But all right, let's go. Uh... Spot, <laughs> let, 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 let's get it. We'll we'll get to the syllabus now. We're gonna go to the last two points here that we want to get to. Uh, which is Bam and the Bigs, number four tonight. Yes. Bam Adebayo looked like he was headed for a triple-double in the first half. He didn't finish that way, but he ended mm-hmm. up with seven assists, which is two seasons for his predecessor, Hassan Whiteside. 
Um, <laughs> I, I am, I, you know, I feel vindicated in a lot of different ways here mm-hmm. because I spent pretty much the last two seasons arguing with Whiteside stands who kept telling me about huge rebound numbers and all this mm-hmm. and saying, is he going to switch out on a shooter? Is he going to make a pass to a cutter? Is he going to do any of those kind of things? That's the difference. I'm not seeing anything that Bam Adebayo doesn't do well. Like I, to me, the only thing that's keeping him from an all-star appearance this year is just overall touches. Like I, I think a lot of the numbers are going to be there. I, I mean, mm-hmm. to me, the first five games for him could not have in this role could not have gone better. They could not have gone better. I think, um, bear with me here for a second. Like I think Bam's game might have a, owe a lot to the success that Draymond has had. Like, mm-hmm. Draymond is, has made it a thing in the NBA now, like a player type, to be a guy who is multi-tooled. And I might only give you 15, 16 points, but that plus the steals, the blocks, the rebounds, the assists, obviously, the the calming influence on the court, all of that adds up to an all-star level game. And so tonight, I mean, everybody, we said the same thing about Jimmy. He's... Bam is also facilitating. He's he's willing to make the extra pass. He's always been a hustler. He's he's trying to tip everything. If if you don't securely grab a rebound, you know, Bam is trying to tip it. And tonight I think I saw him getting like two offensive rebounds like that. One of them he put it up, missed it again, got it back, and it ended up going to the free throw line. So all of those things help and all of those things give like an energy and a vibe to the team that you absolutely were not getting from Whiteside. I didn't know that Whiteside had fans that were like enough to even argue with. Like, no, they, know. no, they, they, they do. <laughs> and then there's the same people that hated Spolster and the same people who hate Winslow. It's it. And, and thought Bam was overrated. It, it's a strange mix. I, I sort of felt like if you were, uh, you know, still supporting Whiteside over Bam at this stage, you're one of those people I couldn't listen to about basketball. Cause it, it, it's just, clear. Yeah, like you're, you're just stat watching. I mean, that's it. And the thing is, it's not like Bam wasn't going to put up stats if he got the opportunity to do it, but he was going to do everything else. You mentioned the deflections. You know, the NBA is tracking that this year. And I saw that yeah. through, the first, through the first four games, Bam, I think, was fourth in the league in, in that stat. But, but the one thing we got to get to, because Reggie Miller apparently didn't think it was important because he was talking about his Halloween costume, uh, Bam Adebayo <laughs> hit a three from the corner. Yeah. And he's been yeah. working with Chris Bosh. And, like, to me, this yeah. is the final frontier. Like, if, if Bam can yeah. – not, not even the threes, but just jumpers, that yeah, jumpers. changes the whole equation for the Heat if he does that. I noticed tonight um, – I don't know if it was just, like, Atlanta's defensive strategy, but they were sagging off him a lot in the mid-range. Like, mm-hmm. he was catching the ball with space a lot at, like, 15 feet. And sometimes, one or two times, you know, he went for, like, a little floater – but when he pulls up for the little short midi, he's got his form is solid. I, I don't think any of it is an issue where you got to like build a jump shot for Bam Adebayo. He's just got to get more comfortable. And I think a similar skill set. The first couple games of this season, when he would get the ball right off the rim and go, a couple mm-hmm. of times, you know, he got a little out of control. He turned it over. I haven't seen that the last couple games, and he's been handling the ball a fair amount. Mm-hmm. Um, getting the ball up, getting it initiated, even if it just leads into a dribble handoff real quick and then something, some other action starts. The ability to get the ball off the rim and go. Um, Alex Lito brought it up. He tweeted it, uh, I think sometime this week, the pace. Like, it adds mm-hmm. to the pace of the game. And when he gets the ball off and he goes, and now everybody is moving, 
and then everybody just goes right into you know the read and react stuff that we've talked about you you got a problem there and you got a team that's young and fast and moving and i think that fits miami you know what i mean like it fits our team no it does and a couple things on that one you know bam told me at training camp he's like i want to have five runners on the floor at all times and people would think i'm the guy who won't so he's got to be the fifth one Mm -hmm. but but the other thing you mentioned sagging off of him they're going to do more of that because i think the whole idea of that is that he's such a good passer and a willing passer that they're going to try to take away those passing lanes from him so i think he is going to get a little bit more space and that's where if he can start to make that 10 to 15 foot jumper consistently yeah. and and rise up and take it like i said there's nothing wrong with his form like even at the free throw line when he misses it's not bad form like sometimes justice's mm. form will look look sloppy bam's form doesn't look yeah. sloppy it's just sometimes it'll roll out but he has enough arc on the ball i i think his feet are set um he seems to be in the right position i it's just a question of taking it i, I do think the fact that he's modeling himself after bosh tells you a lot the other bigs tonight you know, Kelly had some struggles. He's been a little up and down. He's had really good moments this yeah. season, really not. Myers Leonard still struggles defensively, but he was their top plus player tonight. Um, well, you know, I, I thought I he played well, not just the points. I I love I liked his game a lot tonight too, and I was watching him specifically because I know the talk has been like his defense. One or two times a night, he just got caught out there in some bad rotations. You know, like a couple times. I think Tyler hung him out to dry one time. Guy burned around, went right around him, and got a, a bucket out of it. And he's trying out there, which is what you want. Like if you got a good, solid team defense, and that's where Miami Heat basketball has always been. As much as we talk about individual defenders, they're great, and Spalestra is great at teaching. You know, the scramble and the rotation. And when we get it together, and when everybody is fit and can help. You know, we can cover for a guy like Myers Leonard, and he's trying out there. He's moving his feet. He's going to get beat. I mean, he's seven foot tall. Like, you know, everybody can't beat Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. On, and then unless you're just going to play all smalls, which we have experimented with before in Miami, I think we kind of initiated small ball in, in the league, like for real. Um, you know, unless you, if you're going to have a big on the court, sometimes you're going to have to deal with that. Like, and and the way the game is, Atlanta's bigs are all out around the, you know, on the wing and perimeter anyway. Mm-hmm. But he was shooting the ball tonight, and he he filled in very nicely for what you would like to see from Olenek. It's like we got players with some duplicate skill sets, but not in a bad way. And right, I, think I feel Kelly like last back, year yeah. last year was a bad way, Chris. I, I Right, I think that's the difference. I feel like there's there's overlapping skill sets where guys can cover for other guys. Whereas last year it was like, it felt like they were just throwing out six small guards. You know, it's like yeah. Tyler, Tyler Johnson, Ronnie Magruder, you know, when Dion came back, it's just, it, but this year you're right. I mean, it's like the games they've gotten it from Myers. They haven't gotten it from Kelly and vice versa. And you know, no Derek Jones jr. Still right. Uh, James totally, Johnson yeah. not available. So it does change some things a little bit. Duncan Robinson got the start tonight, but wasn't, you know, a big factor. They, they just have a lot of different, places that they can mm-hmm. go I, I thought Myers I, ask, I thought Myers was fine tonight let me ask you a question Ethan because mm-hmm. similar to what we talked about with Dion say James Johnson you know he comes back you know he gets himself in condition whatever he's got to do I mean where does he fit is it Derek Jones Jr. who who when he gets healthy he's got to take a back seat is it Kelly is it because I mean Celestra I think right now he's got a nice thing going 
But say, you know, some people come back and now what do you do? Is he in the same position as Dion, where it's kind of like the odd man out? I don't think it is. I'll tell you what, a couple things. First thing, I think they feel generally James Johnson's attitude's better. I saw him on the bench tonight and he was into it. I, I, I yeah. do think that matters to them. But also, from a skill set standpoint, he does some things the other bigs don't do. So, in other words, you can, you can throw him on. Like, I think in the game against Milwaukee, against Giannis, he would have been useful. There are certain yeah. games, I think there are minutes for him when you need a more physical guy in the front court and mm-hmm. maybe a more physical guy in a small ball situation where I think he's going to play. He's never been a knockdown three point shooter. He went through one stretch a couple of years ago where he was pretty good, but I don't think that's what they're expecting. And I don't think they really are leaning on him for ball handling anymore because they don't need it. But I, but I do Man. think from a defensive standpoint, if he just gives them that, and I think it's going to be situational with him and Derek Jones jr. And Myers Leonard, I think Kelly's going to play most games pretty consistent mm-hmm. minutes. But we even saw last year, Kelly had three DNPs. So I, I just think yeah. they feel they have options, but I think James Johnson will work his way. And let's get to the fifth one here. And, and this is really more bigger picture. They play Houston on Sunday. We saw them play Houston in the preseason and none dropped 40. It is. I, and, and here's my question for you, Chris, because you, you, I mean, you follow this too. I, I feel like, like we've sort of, you know, this market has sort of snuck up on everybody again from a basketball perspective. Like this is like the opposite of the big three where it was all hype and then everybody kind of beating them down. This year yeah. outside of this market, there was no hype. They beat Houston on Sunday before they go on that road trip. Everybody's going to be talking about this team. Yeah. Are they, are they, worth, are they worthy of it? If they beat Houston on Sunday, they definitely are. Because that would be two of the best five players in the league. Giannis at home, and then you bring it in Russ and James Harden. Well, three of the top, what, seven, eight players in the league? If you do that, the nation has to take notice. Like the, the entire industry of sports has to take notice if that happens. I watch a guy on uh, Instagram I follow uh, named Famous Los, right? So mm-hmm. as I'm scrolling through Instagram after the game, Famous Lowe's has a thing. He zooms in on Kendrick Nunn on his, you know, Instagram or whatever. He's like, who is this man? This man has me going crazy. And it's a, and he shows a couple seconds of the heat game. And I'm like, okay, we have made it now to viral social media. Mm-hmm. If we beat Houston, and I don't know if we can say we. I don't know how much we can beat. You, 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 you can. The, I can't. <laughs> That's how that works, Chris. I, I, I caught myself. I almost did it like three sentences ago, and I stopped myself. So, yeah, that's, yeah. I, I'm taking a different role, but not that different. <laughs> if the Heat are able to beat the Houston Rockets, it's impossible not to talk about them. And the thing that I think gives us a fighting chance is if our – you know, sometimes the Heat can tempt you with stretches a very good defense and then something happens and it crumbles if our defensive game shows up and holds tight Mm -hmm. on sunday um there's an opportunity there because james harden can still get a super inefficient 30 points russell westbrook can still go with a super crazy inefficient triple double and we can live in those inefficient gaps you know if you know trends hold that have been established throughout the season so far so I'm looking to to see that, and if we play well, I think we at least I think we can win this game. I'm not even going to try and like hedge my bets. I'm so used to being a hedge my bets Miami Heat fan that um I think we can win that game if if our defense holds. 
Well, we'll both be out there, and I do think they can win that game too. And I think part of the reason that they sat Justice Winslow with the back spasms tonight was to make sure he was ready for Sunday because I, I, I think they figured yeah. without Trey Young, they could probably go up to Atlanta and get a win. Chris, where do people follow you? Um, on Instagram, at Champ Daraw, D-A-R-A-W, and on Twitter, at Champion Life, L-Y-F-E. You can find us oh, in the Life Skin Opinions podcast. Check us out wherever you get your podcast. in on the Five Reasons Sports Network, and uh, that's our Twitter handle, too. All right, maybe we'll do another podcast on Sunday. Again, follow FiveReasonsSports.com, and you know we'll get to some of the Kendrick Nunn stuff that's probably going to come up here on future pods. I think it might be something you guys want to handle on LSO also. But uh, for today, just yeah. basketball. And, and again, we'll get to all that. And personally, I kind of want to say something about it. But uh, today, just focus on the Heat's win. Four and one now after beating the Atlanta Hawks. Houston on Sunday, road trip coming up after that. Thanks for joining us. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.